Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your rigging ropes aren't just tools of the trade. They do the grunt work. They have to endure dynamic loads, abrasion, and moving through hardware while keeping you safe, which is why Samson rigging ropes are specifically designed and engineered to meet the rigors of your job, the result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Stable braid rigging line is the industry standard for arborists. A durable polyester double braid rope with a high strength to weight ratio, torque-free construction with UV protection. Put Stable Braid to work for you. Stable Braid from Samson, the strongest name in rope. Visit samsonrope.com for more information. This episode of the TCIA podcast is brought to you by Tree Diaper. Did you know that the normal one-year warranty on a new tree has nothing to do with tree establishment? Or that newly transplanted trees need two to five years of maintenance before establishment? It's because trees often lose the majority of their roots during the establishment process for a variety of reasons, including the expense of irrigation and the time of manual watering. Tree Diaper is a patented multifunctional plant protection system that absorbs rain or irrigation water before slowly releasing it back when soil dries. When used properly, it promotes healthy outward root growth that facilitates establishment and establishes the long-term health of the tree. By reducing watering need, it significantly reduces the labor and water costs while increasing the survival rate of newly transplanted trees. To learn more about how Tree Diaper can help your company get ahead of proper planting maintenance for your customers and help you save time and money, visit treediaper.com. So I'm Kevin Caldwell. I'm the owner of Caldwell Tree Care, a TCIA accredited business. We've been members of TCIA since we entered into the tree part of the business. I believe that dates back to September of 1997 and, you know, been an operator owner of this company since then. And it started as a, a landscape company after I uh, worked for uh, Spence Rosenfeld, who was a NAA member at that time and a previous board member. And after I decided to go in the tree business after leaving him four years previous, the one comment he said to me was, hey, uh, if you're gonna go in the tree business, you need to be a member of the NAA. And so that's the first thing I did, is join the NAA, which, you know, as you well know, turned into the Tree Care Industry Association. So it's been the backdrop of my entire professional career as an arborist. Thank you. Um, and I guess a follow-up question off of that is you've known TCIA since they were the NAA, but how did you get your start in the industry itself? So uh, uh, I did work for uh, ArborGuard Tree Specialist here in uh, Atlanta from 1991 to 1993 after having worked for the True Green Corporation three years prior. So when I started with True Green coming out of college, that was in May of 88, and I worked till uh, April of 1991, and then I took up employment with Arborguard at that time. And so I went from being an agronomist at, uh, and, and sort of a quasi-horticulturist at True Green in a large corporate environment to you know, working in small business environment, and and really, uh, that's that's where I found my love of trees, and uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, Spence Rosenfeld uh, introduced me to Dr. Alex Shigo, 
and I was able to attend uh, one of his week-long uh, seminars at Appalachian State. And um, that experience working for Spence and getting some mentorship from him and and, and getting an introduction to Dr. Shigo and his new tree biology workshop, that's, that's where I found my love for trees, other than being a childhood fantasy climbing trees. Uh, that, that's where I was struck uh, by the, uh, or bit by the, uh, the tree bug, I guess you'd say. And uh, that, that's where I found my love for trees. What was your goal before getting into the tree care industry and getting bit by the bug? <laughs> um, I was a childhood entrepreneur, you know, doing the, the mowing and the landscaping. And I went to college and, and got a political science undergraduate degree. And sort of by guidance of friends and family and others, uh, they guided me you know, towards uh, true green in the green industry, which I did very well at, and thrived. And, but I also stayed very involved in an organization called the Metro Atlanta Landscape and Turf Association. And I joined that a little over a year into my career at True Green. And then at that place, that's sort of like the local version of any you know, um, ground level, I guess you'd say, green industry. And uh, it was there that I got introduced to professionalism and and in the trade activities. And that's where I met Spence Rosenfeld. He was on the board of directors there. And that's where I met him. And, and he kind of coached me over to taking a look at trees. And again, which excited me because, um, you know, grass, you know, there's it's not that many grasses to look at and not that many. I mean, there's a lot of weeds, but weeds and grass kind of didn't keep me stimulated as much as I wanted to. And then the horticulture started to, and the gentleman that was a vice president of True Green, uh, Scott Carr, was also a, a very serious mentor. So he kind of got me curious in the ornamental trees. And then what happened was that curiosity sort of left me vulnerable to uh, <laughs> being recruited into the, the tree business. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that stimulation that I received there. He was a vice president of True Green at that time. Was, uh, company that was doing roll-ups and, and buying out companies and getting bigger. And I had the good fortune of being very active with that. And and then again, uh, my interest was sort of stimulated by him. And then I became captivated by, you know, Spence. Going, you know, forward in your career, kind of right now. So from what I know so far, you've come across, you interacted with Mundy um, and kind of how did you how did you actually let me back up first and first congratulate you on receiving the chairs award? You know, that's, it's huge. It's personally picked out by Monday, our past chair. And the question is what happened in that time frame from when you got in the start, you progressed along and suddenly you met Monday and you became a huge support system in her life. She credits, she credits to you kind of what happened. What are the steps that kind of led you to, to being that support system? Well, um, you may or may not know this, but I'm a past chairman and um, I was the 75th chairman and uh, I was um, kind of introduced to the TCIA group more formally as I was attending the winter management conferences 
which my first one, I believe it was in uh, 2006 in St. Kitts and um, loved it, brought my family there and uh, really started just shaking hands and getting to know everybody. And, and there's a few folks on the board that I started to just talk with. And uh, Cynthia, our um, CEO at that time, um, I guess I grabbed her attention or something. And, and so, you know, she started prompting me along with a few other folks that, hey, you might want to get involved. And I got involved early on with the uh, formation of the PAC, the Political Action Committee, then ended up doing some short presentations uh, sort of uh, with other folks at winter management, you know, and some uh, sort of a collage of various topics and found myself just, you know, having fun interacting with people. And before I knew it, I was having a conversation about becoming a board member and would I entertain it. And I did. And at my first meeting in June of that year, and I, forgive me, I don't have the date top of my head, but in my first meeting, and we had those meetings then at New Hampshire. In fact, we had that meeting across the street from the current headquarters is in a hotel right down in downtown Manchester. And at my first attended meeting as a uh, just a regular board member, my name came up, become elected as a senior chair, like the first meeting, first meeting. I'm the least junior, least experienced. I don't know how that happened. I think I just walked into something that was very unusual. Anyway, I I fearlessly uh, agreed. And then before I knew it, I was uh, quickly on the chair. Some Somewhere a little before that time, I started forming kind of an informal group of folks that I came became curious. I started visiting companies after going to winter management and people talking about what they did to be successful. And I'm sort of a go out and visualize and hands-on, see what happens. So I started visiting companies, and I, I visited uh, Peter McFarland in, in Philadelphia. And after I did that, I said, you know what? I need to start doing this with other people. So then I called uh, Andy Ross, again, a, a past chairman, and then contacted another fellow, Bob Good, out of Pennsylvania. And I said, hey, you know, I visited a couple of these companies. I think there's something we can learn. So so we started visiting these companies a little bit, you know, again, things that got sort of stimulated in those informal discussions that you have at winter management when you're kind of sitting around the pool or whatever. And um, before we knew it, we kind of had a little little gig going there. And we somehow got together at um, the Black Boar Ranch, the Aspen's own down in, uh, in LaBelle, Florida. Uh, we, we bought that at an auction uh, for the political action dinner, and we ended up with several others that came along with us. I think there was probably uh, six or eight of us down there that were what I call influencers in the tree care industry association. Uh, I think Andy Felix was there, Randy Owen, Andy Ross, myself, Tom Prosser, and of course the usual suspects of uh, all tech you know tony gann was there and and um strangely enough scott scott Asplund flew in and we kind of had two different things happen at that group it's a it's a hunting preserve so we we were there to hunt and have fellowship but we explored forming an informal this is going to sound like an oxymoron formalizing but keeping it informal uh a group 
that would go out and visit companies and help each other in their businesses. So we formed the Tree Brothers. And um, so that was a group of six or eight of us, or about eight of us. And, and we intensified that. Oh, and by the way, I think Jack Duffy was down there too. So basically everybody that was there at that time either has become a board member and or a chairman or whatever. But, but what we did at that time was we were just trying to help each other do better in our businesses. And we did that by uh, doing various things. And we actually went on some um, plant tours. Alltech took us on some plant tours. Anyway, uh, fast forward. In the meantime, my wife and I met Monday and her late husband, Will, at the 2010 well, I guess it was 2000, yeah, 2010 winter management on the Big Island in Hawaii. And we met them at the farewell ceremony. It was just kind of a wonderful collision of calamities that, you know, here she was sitting in the kind of a back table and I was sort of active in the industry. And I was very good about meeting people and socializing. So we just sat down and we hit it off beautifully. And at that time, Will was running the company and Monday was, I believe, his office manager. Well, strangely enough, after they left there, she they found out that he had uh, cancer. I believe it was brain cancer. And he passed very suddenly. I think it was within six months. And I had recognized after that meeting and I had communicated with her after that meeting that she had something that could contribute to the leadership of TCIA. And I it's pretty aggressive, about, you know, prompting her and saying, look, you're something and you could really be a great help to us. And she didn't disagree. But when when Will passed, she needed to greet. And so we talked a little bit about that and, and I gave her the space to, to do that. But I did not let off of attempting to influence her to come in the fold. So she you know, had to take over the business. She had to go through grieving. And then I, she met a wonderful man um, named Wynn. And she got her feet up under her and I just kept coaxing her along. And uh, she, she finally put her name in the hat after she had doubled the size of that business that she had to take over. And um, really just had to coax her a little bit I didn't think I was doing anything differently than what I would do for anybody else. Strangely enough, though, during that time, I introduced her to the Tree Brothers at actually at Tom Prosser's house in Minnesota at a Rainbow Tree Care or Rainbow Plant Health Care Summit. Uh, they, they provide the ability to come up and visit and go through a summit uh, in the winter to be introduced to you know their their world and how they deal with plant health care, some of their equipment. And at that summit, uh, the tree brothers that were there, I introduced the thought of introducing Monday is in into our little group. And uh, wow, I mean, we hit it off great. And then we actually ended up going to see Scott Gage's business in Anchorage, Alaska, the following year. And visited two of his businesses in Alaska as a group and did a phenomenal tour. Scott put a, a tremendous tour on between the businesses and going to Denali 
and we went and saw the musher uh, Dallas. Uh, I forget his last name. The guy that just won the Iditarod again this year. Mm-hmm. And then we went on a uh, hunting and fishing expedition on Kodiak Island. And that's where Monday accompanied us. And uh, we had some close encounters with some Kodiak bears and just had really great time and really got to know each other really well. And anyway, I think it was not long thereafter is, is when Monday decided to put her name in. And I knew very quickly that she would she wouldn't take nine years to become chairwoman. And um, I don't know what the exact time frame is, but I think it, it wasn't four years like me, me, but it was probably, I'm guessing, somewhere in between the six and seven year time. And, you know, she, she's a great leader. She's a, you know, unfortunately walked into a situation that, you know, no one could have planned on, none of us could have planned on COVID. But what I do know about her and what I do know about her ability as an influencer, as a board member, is that she was able to use her adaptability that she's walked through many, many, many difficult times in her life and in business and has adjusted. And um, I think her time with David White was probably more spectacular behind the scenes than it was in front of the scenes. You know, the, the chairwoman is, you know, somebody that interacts a lot with your CEO, with our CEO, and um, and it's very much front center for everybody. And she she probably did not get the glory that she deserved publicly within the organization. But I don't know that that she needs that stimulus. And I don't think she did it for that. I think she did it for the industry, which is what it's all about. So um, anyway. I don't know if I went too far with that backdrop, but it's really been an amazing journey with her. And then I was totally blown away when she shared with me that she was going to give me the, the chairman's award. And I, it just never occurred to me that the influence that I had on her made her feel that, that profoundly committed to doing this. In my mind, I felt like I have attempted to work with others, several others in that group that I've mentioned that are true brothers and some are not, uh, that have been involved in leadership. I feel like I've made a small contribution to their interest and to their curiosity and to their sense of service mentality that they developed. And um, I've just felt that in my heart that that's what I, that's part of what my ongoing contribution is supposed to be. And, uh, Boy, when she gave this to me, I mean, it it choked me up quite a bit because I, you know, th- this is a tremendous honor. Just, it's my biggest professional acknowledgement I've ever had in my life for anything. And, you know, when you're going to work in the tree business, you know, the, the day-to-day things that we do are, I think, admirable and honorable. And, you know, I'm always concerned about our image and, and professionalism and, and doing things by the book and but to to get acknowledgement outside one's own market and the profoundness of that i mean that's that's like stuff that people talk about other people after they die you know it's not it's not often that you get something this phenomenal at least that's my experience 
No, thank you for sharing your story and what it was like and, you know, meeting Monday and all of that kind of stuff. And I think, I think you're right. You know, this, this is a, a big deal and a big award because it seems to me, I know it's to you guys, but, you know, it seems to me that a lot of the um, accolades and stuff that you'll get from people outside the industry are a lot of like team-based thing, like your company did well doing this for me. It's not kind of your individual achievements that you've gone through and, you know, supported somebody this much. But one question I have is you said that you kind of knew that Monday had something that you wanted to be on the board of directors and you knew that she had uh, something that she needed to share. What kind of things did you see in her that made you want her to be uh, so actively involved? What I, I know it may be hard to describe the spark that happened, but what, what kind of qualities, I guess, if we can go off of it that way? There's a certain amount of intuitiveness that she has to respond to um, larger issues. And there's a certain mindfulness and tremendous consideration for people and their, their current state of mind that she has just this innate ability to bring calmness, but bring reality into an equation. And oftentimes in boards, you know, a good board has a lot of tremendous personalities and differing personalities and, and a, you know, a boardroom can get really out of control in a minute. I knew after talking with her immediately that, that she had a certain way about her that could bring people together and diffuse any conflicts and resolve things in a leader in a way that a, a, a tremendous leader can do. And not always through talking, but as much through listening and responding to people appropriately. So, you know, I'd say that's probably a big part of it. I think another part of it is, uh, you know, she, she had to deal with a, a death, an unexpected death. And she was an office manager of a, you know, multi-million dollar company. And she had to deal with that and keep, I mean, she got thrown into a, a succession role without, not, without being asked, you know, in advance. And I mean, she can go through that. And, and not only did she go through that, but she doubled the size of the business walking through that fire, if you will. Is there anybody more qualified to lead than that? Really appreciate your perspective on that. And continuing with kind of that line of thought, you've been on the board of directors, you've, you know, served, you've put in the work. What kind of advice do you have for uh, the current board of directors? You know, um, not really thinking about that in advance. My, my first reaction to that is to say that just to always keep in mind how influential that everybody is on the board and how every person that those board members touch, it really, it really gets into people having those conversations and, you know, meeting other people and, and positively influencing them to be better. And that's something that I took very seriously, still take very seriously, but, but there's something dynamic that happens when you're a board member that while you're in the throes of it, sometimes it's, easy to recognize and other times it's, it's easy to slip a, slip a little bit. And the only thing I would su suggest is when you're 
in service as a board member, everybody you touch is so profoundly impacted. It's hard to believe. In fact, one of the things that we realized when we were traveling as tree brothers and tree sister, when we uh, would go and visit people, one of the things that we would try and do is, is be involved in the, the morning dispatch or the rodeo, as Tom Tolkat said when we visited him. And, and we'd say this is the past, present, and future board members or influencers in the Tree Care Industry Association. And we're here to meet you and talk to you about what you're seeing in your future. And you, you just can't believe how much we touched so many people when we did those visits. And I think what happens in a tree care industry event, whether it's winter management expo or whether it's writing uh, the articles, people get touched by that. And people get excited about that, that are, you know, what I call the ad hoc members. And then they oftentimes experience the need or want to serve. And I think in an interesting way, I think you, you create disciples of the tree care industry and, and those people walk and talk the messages of professionalism that permeates the rest of their local industry. And I certainly feel that has happened here in Atlanta. And it seems like that the membership of TCIA and the a number of accredited people in Atlanta began to become more involved and, and more members and more activity when me being an operator of a small tree care business that I'm doing this, hey, you know, we can do this. And I think that's what happens. Like when everybody gets involved in this and we start sharing, there's just, there's a dynamic that occurs when that interaction happens. And, you know, TCIA provides that venue, you know? I don't know if I got too far off track there. No, no, that's that's good. That's what I was looking for. So you've been involved in the industry, uh, like on, you know, the board of directors and stuff like that and getting involved beyond the normal, I guess, you know, nine to five hours of service type thing that would be um, working with your company or working on the crew or working on your business. So you said that you went to a winter management conference and that's kind of where the networking started. What does networking look like for getting involved on things like this? Is there some kind of like secret to it? Is it just kind of like, I just talk to the right people, you know, cause I think we have a lot of people who would like to get interested or would like to get involved, but don't quite know the process, how to get involved or who to talk to or to approach because it can seem kind of daunting if they're interested you know when you say secret you know it makes me think almost like what's the underground mischievous way to get a in a forgive me i i don't think it's a big secret but i maybe it's the secret sauce maybe it's the, the moment but here's my version of how it how things jive and how things really work the best and that is I think a lot of people, when they go to these events, whether it's Expo, Winter Management, or any other TCIA event, I think there's a propensity that a lot of times members will use those venues for sort of like a, a mini vacation 
which I don't blame them, and I did too. In fact, out of my children, my grown children, out of about 20 years of going on these things or, you know, doing these events, because I did start going to Expo immediately uh, with a newborn, but those venues provided me a place to take my family, but where I might be different than some, not all. I made a profound commitment while on these, at these events, at any of them, that I was at class early in the morning and went to every class from 7.30 to 6.30. I went to every event. And when I go to winter management, I went to every possible event I could go to. You know, I didn't always do all the things that I call distractions, although I have done some and did some beautiful events. But most everything that I did on these venue provided by TCIA, I want to be with other TCIA members and I want to talk to them and learn from them. So to answer your question, I think the secret is really when you go to any of these venues and I suggest you go and work as hard as you can work to get to Expo with your employer and 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 maybe set some goals and request to see if you could be able to attend a winter management. The profanity of attending one or both of those events and the impact on what I have done with my business and what others have done with their businesses as witness is is unbelievable. But I think the those of us that are always in those classes and always in those meetings and always participating, what dynamically happens is you start congregating it's just a natural social thing. And that's the secret. You you got to socialize. And the way you socialize, even if you're not a socializer, is you you can be a fly on the wall in one of those meetings. And that, to me, is that's the secret sauce, if you will. That's good to note that no secret, like you said, get involved, stay at the events, do the education, do the classes, and a lot of that stuff will come naturally. I think that's you know, the best advice one, because you're telling people to participate in our events. So we're always down with that, but I like that. Hey, I got a great, that. I'd like to, I'm going to walk on there. I want to show you this award and, and tell you about how I did exactly what we were just talking about. Um, that really had no idea. This is like in the early stages, but um, I don't know if you can see this. Do you see that grassroots champion? Yes I, yes, I do. And for everybody who's going to be listening to this, it's the 2006 uh, Grassroots Champions Award. Okay, so I just told you my first attendance to a TCIA winter management was in 2006. And I was just all involved. And, you know, sleeves rolled up and, and had fortunately had a little bit of training in the, the backdrop of lobbying up on Capitol Hill through my local folks, local trade groups. And um, I was very interested in how we could promote the tree care industry and work with OSHA and, um, and any other various uh, DOT, you know, all these different groups of people that, you know, had some things that they were doing that would influence how we run our businesses. And so I was extremely um, motivated to try to help walk through those. And uh, anyway, that was the first uh, grassroots champion award ever given. It was the first one of its type. And I ended up, you know, I got that surprisingly. And that sort of put put me on fire, if you will. Like, okay, wow, 
I was just doing what my education and my past experiences taught me to do. And then actually I'm going to share one other one of those awards that I ended up giving. And this is my probably second most proud moment. I don't know. I'm going to flip my camera around. Let's see. So that picture right there is a picture of Senator Isaacson and uh, my old boss, uh, Spence Rosenfeld, that I mentioned earlier. And I gave that award to him in 2011. So five years later, I was honored to be able to give one of the most respected uh, senators that TCIA actually had sponsored for his involvement. He's one of the largest political action committee uh, contributions we ever made because of his work with OSHA to help create a separate industry standard. And I contacted my old boss, Spence Rosenfeld, because he influenced me, as I mentioned earlier. And we went over and presented that same grassroots champion award five years later that I had received. So that's that was my probably second most honorable moment in my career to be able to walk into a senator's office and say, hey, congratulations. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the tree care industry. And oh, by the way, I'm giving you the same award that I have received in 2006 for helping initiate the relationships with people like you. These are, this is a, another anecdotal example of how maybe I wasn't a fly on the wall, but I was just there. I was present and I was at every meeting and did everything I knew how to do. And I, I think these are things that many more people will do many better things than I ever dreamed of. It's all about just being there. That's incredible. I mean, just, wow. I can't imagine what it must have felt like to be able to first receive that award and then go out and present the same award. Um, must have been a surreal feeling experience. Absolutely, it was. So we kind of went away from the board of directors approach, but I just want to ask one more question about the board of directors. Um, what do you do on the board of directors? Because like you said, most of it is behind the scene and it becomes really hard for people to be like, so what kind of involvement goes in the board of directors? What kind of decisions do you make? What do you do? Um, I guess just uh, the 50,000 foot view of what, I guess, what did you do when you were on the board of directors or what does the board of directors in general do? Well, I became a board member. We got a binder <laughs> and it, it defined, uh, it was probably a three or four hour read and define all the specifics of what you do and don't do and behaviors, acceptable behaviors. And, you know, but what you do have to remember in a boardroom, what happens in the boardroom has to stay in the boardroom. It doesn't get put out there publicly except for certain um, things that happen. But, you know, a board is there for strategic purposes and not tactical purposes. And I think people that have not been involved on a board they kind of have to get that briefing. I was fortunate. I had been on four other major boards prior to this. And so, you know, things like uh, conduct, like uh, things that resemble Robert's rules of order, you know, you, you know, there's a time and a way to speak and there's a time to, to listen. And um, what a board does and what TCIA board is, you know, talk about strategy and trajectory and, and alignment and, goals and then they give that to the ceo to execution to happen and you know 
the the board doesn't really do anything with the employee management in TCIA and should not. And you know, there's a court certain cordiality and that is incredible that comes from um, you know TCIA employees like yourself. But again, if you haven't worked in a board, you may not know that. You're not the boss of the employees. The CEO is, which you are the boss of, not the boss, but what you are the guidance in is trajectory and and where things are going. And of course, the chairman of the board is the, the person that interacts with the CEO on his accountability to achieve those goals. That's the only person that has any say in that. And, you know, if, if, uh, if things aren't on the right trajectory or something's going on, the, the CEO and the chairman interact. But, but the chairman is not dictatorial. The, the, the chairman is, is going to want to hold the CEO accountable. The, the rest of the board is, is there to um, have a diversity of views concerns, questions, and um, no, no board should be a, um, a board of all the same kinds you know, in terms of personality and, and thinking. Um, but, you know, there's a, a certain decorum that must occur, but also there is the right to debate, the right to question. And uh, what often happens is a board may have created, a, a previous board may have created a set of goals that both short-term and long-term, and then, then you have some crazy thing like COVID come up. During my chairmanship, we were in the peak of a recession, and some of the previous goals for the long-term were some extraordinary spending measures that we were embarking on, and we were approving tremendous losses so that we could you know, make the organization, make the industry better, but the reality was we needed to reset that. And um, as the chairman working with our previous CEO, we had to have some come to Jesus talks, you know, and talk about realize what previous board may have approved with the set of criteria that they had and the information they had at the moment. But they didn't know that we were going to be downward spiral going in the red. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm very proud of during my tenure as chairman was that I don't believe even in a 501c3, that it's responsible to run an organization into the red. Even 501c3s and c6s need to be financially responsible to their members and the longevity. And uh, Mark Garvin and I were able to work that out. And he did a $1.2 million turnaround that just conversationally we were able to do. My guess is, because, again, we can't share all of these things in the throes of things, my guess is that, um, educated guess, is that Mundy and David White, Mundy Wilson and David White, probably had to have some tough conversations, particularly in light that uh, our largest source of funding, as I put his experience, you know, comes in large part from Expo. And I think one of the other larger funding pieces does come from winter management when when everything goes right and so to take those revenue streams and disrupt them in such a you know unanticipated way requires some strategy and again tactical is more on david but the goals 
and the reset come from the board and, and are delivered. The board is there with your CEO, but the reality is there's calls that can go on every day or every week or every month between the chairman and the CEO. And I'm, again, not privy to that and no, nobody else would be privy to that except the two of them. But I'm, I, I would be willing to make an educated guess. There was a lot of that went on this last year. And uh, it's my understanding that the organization is healthy and well. And, and, and those things don't happen without that integrated thought process that comes with the way the board and the organization is set up. Thank you for that. Um, because we're coming up on our time, I just want to ask you, is there anything that you'd like to talk about that we haven't uh, brought up yet? So I just, I'd like to leave you with this. And this is where like my heart was really validated as being in the right place for this organization for Monday. She sent me this beautiful card, which I did post on LinkedIn along with, you know, my acceptance and things. But at the top of the card, it's a quote from uh, Margaret Watson. And I quote, you meet thousands of people and none of them really touch you. And then you meet one person and your life is changed forever. That was at the heading of the card that she addressed to me. You know, these are, <laughs> how do you react to that, right? That's to me. And I haven't served selfishly this organization. I've served selflessly. I think everybody that when they get their heads wrapped around all of this and they do serve, this note or these quotations apply to virtually all the people they touch outside the or, or inside the organization. And um, that's pretty powerful. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your climbing ropes aren't just tools of the trade. Your life literally depends on them. Specifically designed to endure any environment you throw at them, Samson climbing lines not only meet the rigors of your job, but are engineered to keep you safe. The result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Hyperclimb is a new 100% polyester 11.7 millimeter double braid climbing line engineered for both moving and stationary rope systems that run well with your hardware and Pru6. Hyperclimb's low elongation is key for long ascents and dual purpose climbing. Hyperclimb from Samson, the strongest name in rope. Visit samsonrope.com for more information.